Great to see you. I know you've been adding to a few areas of the market recently, adding maybe some positions in real estate. What are you paying attention to here? You know, I think the bond market has sent a clear signal. We've been saying this, uh, that we were going to kind of top out economically uh, at the end of June. That second quarter was going to be the best GDP numbers we were going to see. And now we are going to start to see a slowdown, not a recession. So I want to be clear there. However, the bond market is sending a very clear signal that we are going to be slowing down. So we've been advising clients and investors with the right risk tolerance to increase the quality of their portfolio uh, in regards to companies with better balance sheets. And one area we did recently add to was real estate. We think that, again, another clear signal is rents are going to be going up. We know what housing prices have done. Uh, they're starting to price some people out of the market. The supply dynamic, demand dynamic is still very strong. So getting something with some residual income during a very choppy market and some potential headwinds as we look in the next 12 months, uh, it's going to be very, very challenging. The easy money has been made the first six months of this year, and now it's going to become a lot more challenging for investors. Yeah, and I think the choppy market part is definitely a part of it as well as we get different headlines on different days. Um, tell me about Europe, that uh, the EZOETF. So we did add Europe. We got rid of uh, China and added Europe to one of our managed strategies that we manage here. And the whole point behind that is if you look at Europe, they haven't fully opened yet. Uh, they are late in regards to the vaccine. The Delta variant hit them first before they hit us. So you could potentially look at Europe as you could have in the U.S. back in January, where the reflationary trade really took off because the consumers were finally able to go do the things that they hadn't been able to do. And Europe has not experienced that yet. So uh, we're very positive on Europe. We think it's great from a diversification perspective to not have everything in domestic asset classes. Uh, and so it has, uh, it's done well here in the near term, and we're optimistic that, again, it, it will continue to do well in the next few months. And potentially economically, their economic data uh, could potentially be stronger than the U.S. as we look over the next six months. Right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, particularly now, everybody's uh, there traveling to trying to get out to Greece and some of the other really cool places. Um, what do you think about the market volatility? The Dow erased the early dip of over 120 points. The Nasdaq erased the dip. Um, yesterday, we saw, you know, you do see this flip-flopping. And you mentioned the word choppy. I mean, there is volatility here. Should we expect that to continue through the end of the year, or does that slow down, too? So, no, I, I think you have two dynamics here. I think until we hit peak cases in regards to the Delta variant, uh, I think that's causing the near-term choppiness in conjunction with a potential slowdown in the Fed. But I think you could see a scenario where you see short-term uh, the Delta variant peak in here in the U.S. and you see a big spike in risk assets uh, that have really gotten hurt really hard over the last six weeks. And then at that point in time, as you're looking at September, October, November, I think you can see volatility to the downside pick back up again. So uh, it's going to be, again, very challenging market. But here in the near term, the setup does seem to be an overreaction to Delta that I think once we, again, hit peak cases, uh, market should spike up handsomely, in my opinion. Ah, OK. And then I wanted to talk about the jobs report. You know, it's very interesting of the Fed. Uh, Christopher Waller said that. If the next two reports show growth in jobs, 800,000 plus, that you could see the Fed start tightening as soon as uh, tapering, not tightening, uh, tapering in October. I mean, how important are these jobs reports? 
So, you know, they're going to be very critical because that's really the last data point that the Fed has to stand on in regards to continuing this loose monetary policy. Uh, I happen to agree with the fact that I think you could see some potential in regards to tapering in November. I think it'll happen before the end of this year in regards to their bond purchases. I don't think they're going to raise rates this year, but I would anticipate that sometime next year. And this is why things are going to be very difficult, because for the first time in a long time, you could see a Fed tightening because they're forced to during an economy that is actually slowing down. That's not very, very bullish if that happens. See, and, and that it's almost like a head scratcher, right? Tightening and however they choose to do that. I mean, tapering is one way of tightening, right? I mean, there's multiple ways that they could do that. And, um, you know, that's what he was talking about. And that's why I corrected myself. But it's very interesting because we have a slowing, a slower growth. I guess it's OK then, huh? Well, look, if you have inflation staying sticky where it is right now uh, and the job market bounces back, uh, this is one of the consequences of, I guess, being slow to tighten, because one could have argued that the economy was strong enough earlier this year to start slowly tightening. But they're pigeonholed themselves in a position where, you know, you can't have loose policy to infinity. So yeah. the timing is just not going to be perfect in regards to this next set of tightening. And the minute they say the word uh, starting to tighten or stopping their bond purchases or reducing it, uh, I think we know what the initial reaction to the market will be.